Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. I was planning a birthday party for, I don't even remember, someone in the church. And I called up a friend of mine and I told him, invite his friends. And, you know, we were just going to have this, you know, get together at a restaurant. And so I told him, you, you know, contact, you know, some mutual friends. You have their numbers. Can you do that for me? And he says, okay. And then I told him where it's going to be, what restaurant it's going to be at. He says, okay. And then a couple days later, he calls me back. He says, uh, Joe, I just, I have to tell you, I can't go to that restaurant. And I go, well, why not? He says, well, I, I've seen that restaurant before. I've been there before. He says, when you walk in the front door, there's this big, huge bar area there, and it's like you got to pass the bar area before you go into the restaurant. I says, yeah, so what? We're not going to sit at the bar. We're going to the restaurant. He goes, he says, that temptation's too much for me. I says, well, let's do it at a different restaurant. He goes, really? I says, yeah, let's do it. I go, if that's going to make you stumble and, and fall, and of course, let's go to a different restaurant. You see, he knew that that could make him stumble. That's, that's walking circumspectly. That's walking wisely. Some people are in there. I can't understand that. I, I can walk in a restaurant all the time. You could put a you know, beer in front of me. You could put a shot of whiskey in front of me. I'm not going to be like, oh, no, please. I'm not going to get cold sweats. I'm not going to do that. I don't drink. I, doesn't have, I don't have a desire to drink. It, it's not you know, what I do. But some people are tempted in that area. You want, you're to walk circumspectly. You're to walk wisely. You're to know, you know, your areas of temptation. You're to stay away from those areas. You're to be wise when you walk and to stay away from the things that can make you fall. The enemy will tempt you, but you need to be wise. If you struggle with drunkenness, I would say, you know, don't hang out at the bar. That, that shouldn't be a place that you should go to go, you know, witness to your friends. Oh, my friends really need to know the Lord, so I'm just going to go hang out at the bars. How'd it go last night? I don't know. Just, just, I'm a little hungover right now. Really? You think that's effective? Remember the story of First Chronicles chapter 21? Remember when Satan stood against Israel? And he, I'll put it up on the screen. And it says, listen, now Satan stood up against Israel and moved David to number Israel. How did he do that? You see, David was to trust in the Lord, realizing God fights the battles. It doesn't matter how many you know, he, he's going to ask him to, to number the, the army. But, but you see, he, he, Satan moved on David to number Israel. And so, you know, David was to trust God. But it says Satan moved on David to number Israel. So we, we don't know. We don't have the details how he did that. But somehow he probably got him in his pride and thought, you know, whispered in his ear somehow and says, wow, you've got a massive army. I've got a massive army. Yeah, I wonder how big it really is. And if David would trust in God, he would have just said, it, it, you know what? It doesn't matter how big my army is. It's, it matters how big my God is. God fights our battles. But he moved on him. We don't know how he moved on David to number Israel, but he did. And look at that. It says, so David said to Joab, that's his commander, and to the leaders of the people, he said, go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring the number to them to me that I may know it. And check this out, the warning and Joab answered, may the Lord make his people a hundred times more than they are, but my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? They're just your servants, so you don't have to number them. 
Why then does my Lord, listen, require this thing right here. Why should he be a cause of, can I read that with me? Guilt. In Israel, Joab knew it was wrong. And he's trying to warn him, David, don't do that. God doesn't want you to trust in your army. God wants you to trust in him. And the funny thing is, David wasn't, or excuse me, Moab really wasn't even a godly guy. But nevertheless, the king's words prevailed against Joab. Therefore, Joab departed and went through all Israel and came to Jerusalem. Then Joab gave the sum of the number of the people to David and all of Israel. There was 1,100,000 men who drew the sword. And of Judah, there was 470, excuse me, 470,000 men who drew the sword. But what does it say in the red? And God was with this thing, therefore he struck Israel. Do you know how many people died because of that? Do you remember? 70,000 people died. God sent an angel of destruction and killed 70,000 people. A tough lesson to learn. David, don't count on your army. I could take your army away from you instantly. 70,000. Some people think it was the, you know, David's sin with Bathsheba that was his worst sin. I would argue that this was his worst sin, this pride, not trusting God. Do you remember what happened with that story? The angel of destruction came and the destroyed 70,000. And finally, the angel of destruction was there and he was over, uh, over Jerusalem. There we call it the, uh, the Temple Mount area. And right at that time, you know, David's repenting and saying, God, I'm sorry, it was me. It wasn't these people. Please, will you just have mercy? And he's calling out to God. And Gad, the seer, spoke to him and says, offer a sacrifice on that mountain. So he went to Onan or Onarn, and he went to this, this man that owned the, the, that area, and he says, I, I want to buy that from you. And he says, well, just take it. He says, no, I, I need to pay for it. And he purchased that property, and he sacrificed, and it says the fire of the Lord came down and consumed the sacrifice, and the plague stopped. And you know what's fascinating about that story? That area that he purchased, that's where the Temple Mount is. That's where... That's where the temple, Solomon's temple stood, right on that property, right there. So his worst mistake ended up being a big blessing. God turned it around after he repented. And it's still there today, the Temple Mount area. If you go to Israel, you can even see that. It's a fascinating place. One day, the third temple will be there, right? Then the Antichrist will walk in there and declare himself to be God. And it says they'll flee, the, the Jewish people will flee to the mountains, interesting place. But right there, there that's the place. But the, again, the temptation, he fell to the temptation. And Satan was involved. When I was in second or third grade, I going to school, I remember we, would, we had six kids in the family at the time. My dad was remarried the second time. And so we would have to, you know, have the bag lunches, so we'd bring our lunch, but they would, we'd get a nickel from our parents to, to buy a, a white milk. We wouldn't get a dime for chocolate. Chocolate milk was 10 cents, right? Remember that? What is it now? Does anybody even know? Do they still have that? It's like $5? No, I don't know. <laughs> but I had, you know, my little nickel, and I just, I remember just went up to the counter, and I gave the nickel, and they, they give you your milk, you know, so I put the nickel down, and she gave me a chocolate milk instead of the white milk, and I grabbed it. 
And I knew that I didn't give her enough money, but she gave me the chocolate milk and she made a mistake. And so I went back to my table and I sat down and I, I'll never forget, I'm sitting there, I'm just, I'm savoring. I'm just like the little straw. I'm, like, I'm just savoring, I'm drinking. It was so good because I would only get the white milk, you know? So this was such a treat and it tasted so good and I was drinking and I was like, this is so good, this is so good. And then all of a sudden when it was done, I, I didn't feel so good because I knew I had stolen something. I knew at that age, a little, you know, second or third grader, I knew that I've sinned against God. And so I was raised in the Catholic church, so I went to the, you know, confessional, I went to the priest, and I confessed it to the priest, you know, I had to get it off my chest, you know. And listen to this, the priest told me, he says, I want you to go back and give the nickel back that you took. That was actually good advice. So I went in the next time I was at the school and I had a dime with me. I don't know where I got the nickel but another one, but I had the extra money. So instead of a nickel, I had a dime this time. So I went up and, and I says, yeah, I want just one white milk. And she goes, white? I said, yeah, and I give her a dime. So she gave me her nickel back. And I was like, here, and I pushed it back. I didn't know what to say. I just said, no, this, this is from the other time. I owe that to you. And I ran away. I didn't want to get in trouble. <laughs> you know, it would have been so much easier if I didn't yield to that temptation in the first place. It's so much easier if we don't yield to the temptation. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, it says, test all things. Talking about spiritual things, test them before you just dive in. Hold fast, listen. Hold fast what is good. When you know it's of God, you hold fast to that. But listen to this, it says, abstain from every form of evil. That word abstain means to hold off, to stay away from every form of evil. Stay away from it. First Corinthians 10, 13, you know this one. First Corinthians 10, 13. Paul the Apostle says, no temptation is overtaking you except such that is, can we say that together? Common, Common to man. In other words, don't think, you know, I've heard people say, oh, Pastor, you notice it's just so, it's overwhelming, it's just so big. Nobody's going through what I'm going through. Well, it's common to man. Can we say that part? But, but God, but God. We're going to be tempted, but God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make, can we say that? The way of escape. The way of escape. The way of escape. When temptation comes, look for the way of escape. Why? That you may be able to bear it. And then he goes on and says, therefore, my beloved, flee, run away from idolatry, things that people put before God. Run away from those things. Flee from those things. Mark Twain, talking about sin, he says, it's easier to stay out of sin than to get out of sin. Isn't that true? It's easier to stay out of sin than to get out of sin. Once you get trapped, it's hard to get out of it. Someone else said, it's better to shun the bait is that the devil puts bait out. It's better to shun the bait. In other words, don't take the bait. When you see the bait that wants to pull you away and to drag you into sin, no, shun it. It's, easy, it's better to do that than to struggle in the snare or the trap because once it gets a hold of you, it gets a hold of you. One more funny one. Someone once says, I can, I can resist anything except temptation. Back in our text, verse nine, it says, resist him, talking about the devil. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Resist him. 
knowing that it's common. People around the world are going through this. All Christians go through temptation. They go through battles. They go through spiritual battles and know that, that you're not the only one. And you might say, well, mine's so unique and mine's so, yeah, it might be unique to you, but your brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world are going through different battles. So don't think you're alone in this. Realize you're not alone and you have victory through Christ Jesus. So resist him. The word resist means to make a stand against, to withstand, to oppose. I find it interesting, and I I believe it's very important to realize as we talk about battles, at the cross of Calvary, the devil was disarmed and all of his demons, they don't have weapons. That's why he's a roaring lion. He just makes a lot of noise. Even I read somewhere that the roaring lion is known to be the oldest and the slowest lion of the pack, and his teeth are worn down. Or falling out. And typically, I just read this, that you know, the, this roaring lion, the reason why he's the roaring lion is he would just hide in the, in the grass and he would just make this loud noise so when the prey comes, they would get frightened and fearful and they'd run the other way and that's where the young lions are. So the, the tactic was to get the, the, the prey to run in their other direction and they run to their death. They run to the trap. So we're not to run away from the devil. We're to withstand him. We're to oppose him. You know, we're, we're to flee from sin, but you know, I, I hope you understand that. Sin we flee from. We run from sin, but we don't run away from the enemy. We don't run away from his attacks. And with sometimes with people, what happens is that they, they hear the lies of the enemy. They're like, oh, I can't handle it anymore. I, gotta get, I can't go to that church anymore. I can't get away from these people. It's like, What? No, that's the lies of the enemy. You're running away from something that's a lie from the enemy? No, we're to oppose him. We're to oppose him with our spiritual weapons, with the weapons of our warfare. They're mighty. We're to oppose him in prayer. That's one of our offensive weapons. We're to oppose him with the word of God. We're to to wear the whole armor of God. We're to oppose him. We're not to run away from him. He's a roaring lion. He makes a lot of noise to deceive you and to lie to you and to make you run in the other direction. But don't listen to his lies. He's a father of lies. He's a deceiver. So I hope we get that clear. You know, run away from sin. Flee youthful lust. Flee away from sin. Run away from sin. But when the lies of the enemy comes, you should know the word of God. And you're to use your weapons. And you should be steadfast, firm. That word steadfast means firm in your faith. Trusting in God. No, I'm trusting in God. I heard someone once tell me, don't base any decision based on fear. Don't base any decision based on fear. I remember when I was selling a house back in Michigan and, and um, we were made an offer and the offer was super low and I didn't, wasn't comfortable with it, but I didn't have any offers with my house in Michigan for almost a year. The first offer came in because the housing market was bad, right? And so I had this very low offer and I, I was talking with a pastor friend of mine and we were praying he says, and, he, and I said, what do you think I should do? He says, what do you want to do? I says, I want to counter it. That offer's way too low. He goes, and counter it. And I says, well, I'm afraid that they might, you know, just go away. And he looked at me and says, don't base any decision on fear. And he was right. Don't base any decision. That's what the enemy does. He, he wants to make you fearful. Don't make decisions based on fear. Oh, I'm afraid of this. Well, that's a lie. God doesn't motivate us with that kind of fear. You know, so I countered and we ended up getting, you know, the money that we wanted for the home. But I wanted to make that decision based on fear. I'm afraid, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And it's like, well, don't base decisions on fear. That's the enemy. 
He wants to make you fearful. He wants to make a lot of noise. But guess what? His teeth got kicked in at the cross. Can I get an amen for that? (laughs) So we have great weapons, as we looked at in our scripture reading. Ephesians 6.13, we looked at this, but I just want to highlight it again. Therefore, take up the, what armor? Whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand Same thing, resist in the evil days. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with the word of God is truth. Jesus is truth. Gird yourself with truth, not lies, not fears. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Our righteousness is in Christ. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. He is our peace. Above all, taking up, taking the shield of with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Isn't that great? The shield of faith. If we could see in the, guys, I hope we get this, this, this armor we have, this battle that we're in, faith is just so powerful. I believe in God. I trust in God. Faith. Fiery darts are coming our way. It doesn't say they're, they're going to stop it. They're going to still come. Fiery darts. like Faith. That was close. Faith. I trust you, God. I trust you, God. I trust your word. I trust you. I stand on your word. I stand on your truth. I believe no matter what's happening, no matter what comes my way, I put my trust in you. Amen? The shield of faith with which quenches how many of the fiery darts? All the fiery darts of the wicked one. And taking the helmet of salvation, our salvation is in Christ. It protects our mind knowing that we're saved by grace through faith. And it's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And the sword of the... Spirit, which is the word of God. That's our offensive weapon, the word of God. Jesus Christ, when he was tempted, Matthew chapter four, when he was tempted, what did he do every time? He said, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. The word of God, the word of God, the word of God. He didn't run. Do you see Jesus in the wilderness? And then it says he was tempted by the devil. Do you see, does the picture, does the story say, and Jesus ran, No, Jesus stood, and Jesus said, no, it's written. Oh, you're hungry. Why don't you take those rocks, and why don't you turn them into bread? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is written. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, the weapon of prayer, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer and the word of God and the armor that we have. I remember years ago when I was on staff at Calvary Costa Mesa and I was having a vertigo problem. I got out of bed and I kept falling down and it lasted for, I don't know, over a week, wasn't it? Or two weeks. It seemed like an eternity. It was terrible. And I didn't know what was going on, so I went to the hospital, and, and Pastor Chuck Smith found out about it. So he, I believe it was his Wednesday night study on air, there, you know, being aired on K-Wave and all. He prayed for me. And let me tell you something. I felt those prayers. I think thousands of people agreeing, as Pastor Chuck was praying for me, thousands of people are saying, amen, amen. And I don't, something happened. It was like I was walking on a cloud for, I mean, after that prayer, I was just like, not only did I felt, feel good, I felt great. Instantly, I was like, whoa, the power of prayer. 
And I remember going back to the church, you know, serving in the church, going back, and people were like all concerned, and they were like, we're praying for you, Pastor, are you okay? And I'm, I'm thinking, I don't want them to stop praying. So I'm like, just keep praying. I'm better. Keep, keep praying. Because of the power of prayer. In Scripture, Satan, as we just read, he's referred to here as the roaring lion. He's a lion. In Scripture, we are referred to as sheep. Without our good shepherd, who is Jesus Christ, we can't win the battle. We have to stay close to our shepherd. We have to stay close to our shepherd, or we're going to get destroyed. We're going to get consumed. And the other thing, can I point this out, please? We're to stay close to our shepherd, but we're to stay in the flock. You don't see sheep. Whenever you see sheep, you hear, when they start wandering off, what happens? Lamb chops. Seriously. It's pretty simple. They, they stay away from the flock. Guess what? Lamb chops. Really, they get consumed. They get, they get destroyed. They get deceived. They get lied to. They get, you know, we, we need to be in the flock. We need to be, you know, close to our good shepherd. Beware. Do you have scripture for that? Well, we got all kinds of scripture for that, but how about this? Flee also youthful lusts. But this is it. But pursue righteousness, faith, and love with, do you notice this, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In other words, stay in fellowship with those that love the Lord. You need to stay close to the flock and close to the Lord. Another one about staying close to your good shepherd. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. That's our good shepherd. He's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Amen? Another thing to point out as we wind this study down, I hope you realize we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. We're more than conquerors. It's not like we're fighting, oh, please give me victory. No, we have the victory. We're fighting from victory. We're, we're victorious in Christ, through Christ Jesus, amen? amen? And that's a great verse that goes with that. 1 John 5.18, we know that whoever is born of God, are you born of God today? I see, just to raise the hands, everyone that's born again of God. Look at, all, look at all those hands. Wow. Now the person that isn't? No, I'm just joking. I won't. <laughs> we know that who's ever born of God, all those hands, listen to this, do not sin. Does that mean we don't sin at all? No, that means we do not practice sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself, and look at this, and the wicked one does not touch him. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We have power by the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to know that we're not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. And we know that we are of God. And the whole, listen to this. This is so, I hope everyone here understands this. And we know that we are of God. So we're born of God. All the hands that went up, you say you're born of God. Okay, we know that. The ones that are not born of God, they're under the sway of the wicked one. He's, they're like puppets on a string. He's just moving them any way he wants. That's healthy to realize because our battle's not against them. They're being held captive. We need to pray for them. Amen? Last verse, because I love this. I can't pass this up. Don't you love this one? Paul the Apostle writes, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not mighty in God. Does that sound like we're going to lose a battle? No, our weapons are mighty in God. 
For what? For pulling down strongholds, casting down those arguments, the lies of the enemy, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. The mind, the importance of realizing the mighty weapons we have to cast down those lies. As we close, the battleground of the Christian, primarily in the mind, our adversary, the devil, he's a deceiver. We're not to run away from him. We're to resist him. And we have mighty weapons in our arsenal. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.